It's that time of year again. It's time for me to help you grow your practice. That means the doors to both of our programs are open now. They haven't opened for uh, about six months, so now is the time to jump in and get started in working with me. Two programs that uh, are options for you. One is Fully Booked. Fully Booked is a proven system for getting new clients consistently. If getting new clients consistently is your main goal for your practice right now, then joining Fully Booked is exactly what you want to do next. Head to privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash get clients to learn more or grab the link in the description. Now, if you're fully booked, if your marketing is working well, then it's time to keep growing your business and scale through either group practice or other revenue streams like online courses, membership sites, podcasting, etc. In that case, joining Business Made Human is exactly what you want to do next. Join Business Made Human. Reduce your overwhelm. Stop feeling lost and confused and grow your business in a group of like-minded individuals and work with me every single week for the next six months. To join Business Made Human, head to privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash join BMH. All right, today's episode, I'm sitting down with the uh, CEO and co-founder of FreshBooks. FreshBooks is an accounting software with over 24 million users. We're talking about uh, Mike's journey in entrepreneurship, um, <clears throat> how he helps other service-based businesses price their services using what he calls value-based pricing. Um, and it was just a great open-ended discussion about all things money and value, knowing your worth and charging what you're worth. Great episode. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Let's dive in. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, uh, joining me here. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me, John. So um, I gave kind of the official intro in the beginning, but maybe you can elaborate on that. Who you are, how did you get here, um, what's, what's this FreshBooks thing all about, and what are you really passionate about? Well, well listen, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, uh, that's super helpful um, and generous. So, um, yeah, Mike McDermott, I, I am co-founder and CEO of a company called FreshBooks. And, and what we are, uh, and I'll, you know, this may seem you know, not an intuitive, uh, you know, person to have on some of the vectors of the, this podcast, but, uh, is, um, yeah, really easy to use, uh, invoicing and, and billing software and the, and accounting software in the cloud. And so we, um, uh, you know, that, that's what we do. We, what makes us different than say another, you know, like if you're using word and Excel or maybe you're using a, a, a different accounting software, what makes us different is we're, we're built ex, you know, exclusively for service-based businesses. So we mm-hmm. don't do retail, we don't do restaurants, and, and we really try to keep the offering simple because I know that when you go into business, you don't do it to get into the back office stuff. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, they're glad to go, in, in some cases, they're glad to go and do their, their billing, but you know, it's misery. It's, it's time-consuming. It feels like paperwork or whatever. And so we yeah. built uh, something that's really easy to use. We're number two in America um, uh, for, for small business accounting software. Mm-hmm. Uh, paying customers 100 over 100 countries around the world and and that is uh that is what what we do mobile phone desktop so so you know many of you if you're not using us already you may want to check us out that's mm-hmm. a, that's a different story but but you know back to why i i you know so i, I actually this is I'm, i've been looking forward to this conversation uh mm-hmm. for for a couple of reasons um 
you know, that are just more personal in nature. Uh, so I'll just put these out there for the audience. One of which is my mom became uh, a stress management consultant when mm-hmm. she was uh, so kind of and, and uh, part of the psychology foundation of the the pro where I'm based in Toronto, Canada. So, yeah. so anyway, so she's long been involved like as a, a board member of that foundation for for some time. And uh, and then there's just, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and many of you may have clients who are entrepreneurs and you yourself are an entrepreneur to one, one mm-hmm. degree or another. Um, it is a deeply psychological effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, anyhow, so I uh, I'll just call those things out as we uh, kind of start start the conversation and see yeah. where things go. But uh, I'm just yeah. uh, feel privileged to be here and, uh, you know, uh, speaking with you, John. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, one of my uh, good friends who's a therapist and a business coach always says your business is like a mirror, you know, so a lot of our issues show up in your business. Right. And interestingly, (laughs) and very relevant to to how you guys help is uh, a lot of therapists are very kind of numbers phobic if that's a word, uh, Hmm. it is now. Um, I don't know how clinical that is, but (laughs) therapists tend to uh, maybe not see themselves as naturally inclined toward numbers or even just have that belief of I'm not good with numbers or I don't know what a P&L is or I don't know know, how much I should be charging, right? And so what happens is they're really good at their craft, right? Which is clinical work, doing therapy. Um, Not so good at the business necessarily, right? Because the business aspects are not why therapists get into it. They just want to do what they love and they want the back end to be as simple as possible, right? Um, So part of it is getting over that hurdle of like, I'm not good at math or I'm not good with numbers, right? For a lot of therapists, that's, I don't have systems in place to manage this stuff or I don't know how to set my fees in the first place. That is, uh, it, by the way, it's not just therapists who feel this way. If that right. gives you any comfort, um, right. you know, there's something to be said for not uh, not being alone. You may not know it, and it's good yeah. to have these, you know, utter utter these things out loud. But there there are a lot of other disciplines that we go ahead and serve as well, like creative professionals, um, yep. you know, like graphic designers yeah, and things like this, who, exactly. who are similarly, you know, not always, but often similarly numbers phobic <laughs> to borrow a phrase. Yeah. I, I like that one. And um, yeah. And so that's, that's why I think what we do at FreshBooks matters is we just try and make things so simple and easy to use that, and, and we provide, you can phone us for free anytime. And, and we'll, uh, we, we offer, we, we really focus on customer service and support because we recognize that again, people don't go into business to run their back office right. and it, it's intimidating and it's kind of in the way of doing what you love. And so we recognize all that and just try to, to, to support folks. So, so yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, sort of, um, there'll be some relevant, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I, I trust that that lands well with many, many of your folks. There's mm-hmm. literally tens of millions of people around the world who feel this way. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. So w- one piece of it, right. Is, and when we, when we think about money in a business or in a service-based business, we have to think about money coming in and money going out. Right. But in terms of the money coming in, um, we have to be thoughtful about how we're setting our fees. And like I mentioned before the show, some of the typical ways that therapists set their fees are, let's say insurance reimbursed them $89 a session and they finally got off the insurance panel because they wanted more flexibility or um, you know, to be able to run their business how they want, not deal with the bureaucracy of insurance. And let's say they decide to just charge $89 because that's what insurance was paying, right? That's one way. Another way is charging $5 less than the therapist next door, right? So there's a lot of actual 
kind of shaming of one another of therapists um, among therapists of you're money hungry, you're greedy, right? These people are suffering. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be charging them so much, right? So therapists often kind of fold into that uh, stereotypically, right? Because we come from this kind of social justice background, right? Of helping people that are suffering, of having a social justice kind of lens in what we do. Um, and so a lot of therapists, right, are, are charging too little um, and setting fees based on feeling. So what, how would you sit down with a therapist maybe and <laughs> start to unpack this? Well, I'd start by saying, what would you say uh, to your client if they were behaving this way in the real world, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, t- turn it around because, you know, if you were listening to someone else say that, you might say, hey, are, are you aware of this behavior? And you are making a series of choices, whether you know it or not, right? Um, I, I think it's, a, you know, you are, you know, let me start by saying you, it, it is completely your prerogative to make these choices and right. to, to price that way and to think about pricing in this way. Sure. I think, you know, what sometimes people don't get to is a place where they learn that there's other ways to think about it mm-hmm. and to have confidence in, in sort of taking those things. They might say, you know, hey, I'd like to make more money, but, you know, I really don't feel like I don't feel like I can for reasons Correct. that are, you know, one thing or another. And I think I think that's okay. So that dissonance is okay. I think Mm -hmm. you're going to have to, then you say, great, I'm always going to charge this, this other price. And that's, that's fine. And so stop thinking about wanting to make more money. Uh, But you know, then if it's like, Hey, I'd like to have a a more successful practice, or, you know, we'd like to put an addition on our home or whatever it is. And, and so that's going to be a a different priority. Then it's like, okay, there are a series of things you can start to think about that will probably have knock on implications that, you know, lead you to probably think about, pricing yourself differently and then actually doing it. Um, so, so let, let's go there. And, and, and for what it's worth, I will just, before I forget, um, I will call people's attention to a little book I wrote on this. And mm-hmm. John, I don't even know if you're aware of this. Yeah. I read about I the did, first, um, first couple chapters of it to get started. It, yeah. Okay, cool. So, so, um, you know, what's, what's interesting about that is I know John had about 10 minutes to, to prepare because it's a 45 minute read. Uh, the book. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's okay. You caught me. So it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, you, you can read the whole thing in, in one sitting mm-hmm. called breaking the time barrier. It's free. Okay. It's free. It's on the internet. It's in like PDF format. You can mm-hmm. get it on an e-reader or whatever it is that you want to do. It's called breaking the time barrier. It's just search fresh books, breaking the time barrier, but it's been downloaded by people a, a quarter million times. And I, you know, I feel very self-promotional telling you all this, but but the real thing I want you to take away is um, its purpose is to help you think about pricing and move you. It, it's it's its whole purpose is a mindset shift. And so yeah. I was saying, hey, you're making choices. You are making choices if you say or do whatever. But as soon as you say, I want to explore this other thing, then you're going to start on this path of like you have to shift your mind. Yeah. And so the book Breaking the Time Barrier, its whole purpose is to help you go on that journey. Uses the example of a, a web designer, uh, which you know you may mm-hmm. think is totally different, but is really not that different, and, and helps walk through that web designer and how they get there. And so, so, so I encourage you whenever this is all done, go go look at that because it's it's forty five minutes. But we'll give you some of the mm-hmm. close notes here. Um, so the, the first thing is, um, you know, you can you can work at a rate like that, but there is an opportunity to go ahead and and say, hey. Um, you know, my value is not determined by what I said as my billable rate. Right. If we start from a different position, we say to ourselves, you know, what is the value of what I do in my client's eyes? Mm-hmm. 
Right. You know, would they pay a different fee? Right. And I I think, you know, I trust everyone who's listening has had a moment, you know, even, you know, like through their education process or something. Well, they brought some kind of a breakthrough to somebody that, you know, is worth a lot more than, you know, $89. Another example to to play around with is a marriage counselor um, and who could potentially help you save your marriage versus the alternative, which is heading toward divorce. And just simply thinking about the cost of the two. Right. So the investment and saving your marriage here (laughs) or the cost of it falling apart. And yeah, you have gone, you have gone just there to be honest, John, because that's actually the whole principle is to understand the alternatives for people. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I'm using, you know, therapy to help me solve some kind of problem in the world. Right. And really what you want to go ahead and do, what they're really doing is hanging, whether they know it or not, or you know it or not. It's like, there's some economical, like quasi objective price they're willing to pay to solve that problem. Yeah, there's yep. no guarantees you can solve that for them. You know, different, some people will solve it in a month, and some people will solve it in you know, 30 years, and right. some people will never solve it. But um, but but that's really what they're doing. They're coming to you to solve a problem. Otherwise, they wouldn't be yep. be seeing you. Yep. And so so then so this is the heart of um, it's really going from like a time and materials or a you know sort of rack rate pricing or, or an hourly charge to uh, the, the book talks about moving to value pricing yeah. and you know in in there in, in, because of the um i'll say non-concrete nature of therapy it may be hard to get all the way to value pricing i still think reading the book is a good idea because it'll help you start to navigate you know the yeah. thought processes around around pricing and we're going to discuss a bunch of those now but but um but 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 the point is like using an hourly rate and thinking about like why people are kind of hiring you and what the job is that they're looking for you to help them do and and how much solving that problem is actually worth to them. Yep. Um, it is, I think, a very, very different way to think about things or at least to frame your hourly rate. And yep. marriage is a great one. Right. It, it's like, hey, you know, we're going to go and try and work on this. Because the alternative could be anywhere from thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars yep. to millions of dollars, you know. And so, you know, we want to do this work. We want to invest in ourselves. And, you know, I think you can probably charge hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, of, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, an hour through mm-hmm. that lens. Right. Uh, versus, you know, well, everyone else around here is yeah. just sixty nine dollars. So, we're, so we're I think actually I, very focused on time as therapists, in part because a traditional therapy session got established as 50 minutes. So just shy of an hour, right? That gives therapists 10 very short minutes in between sessions, right? That number was actually established by insurance companies, right? So it's like, why does a therapy session need to be 50 minutes? But therapists are very caught, kind of stuck on that number, right? I even had a a therapy client last week, sat down and we, our sessions are usually about 45 minutes, right? And he sat down and he said, um, I've got 30 minutes today. Can we, you know, can we make the session last 30 minutes? And my answer is absolutely. And what's really interesting is guess what the client does in those 30 minutes, they pace themselves accordingly, right? So it's, it's Parkinson's law. If I, you, you give a student, you know, an assignment, say you have a 10 page paper to write by Friday, they'll make it fit that gap. If you say 10 pages by Christmas, yeah. they'll make it fit that gap. It's the same thing, right? So it's the value that can happen in that therapy session, right? And the pace at which client and therapists are working can can uh, can be well, set or can happen naturally, you know, more naturally. Well, only because so many people are are struggling with with time as a thing, as you rightly called out. I, mm-hmm. I want to go ahead and kind of play the other side of that. 
mm-hmm. and um, and say, you know, I think, you know, time is potentially one one way you have to distinguish yourself and therefore, you know, sort of present more value in your client size. And I'm going to give you a different example on the other side of time. And, you know, one of the things I've learned, I'm like I'm a founder and CEO, it's, you know, we run a pretty, pretty good mm-hmm. sized company at this place. At this point, um, I have found that certain problems need certain time slots to go ahead and get solved. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, classically Microsoft Outlook is kind of what governs, you know, or like calendaring set, determine what meetings were. And so it defaults to like 30 minutes or 60 minutes. But, you know, any time I have a, a a meeting where we're going to do some work, like you can give me an update, we can do a check-in, those are 30 or 60 minutes, but if we're going to actually work, you know, it's going to be a 90 minute meeting. Mm-hmm. because it's about minute 50 that you really start rolling and kind of unlocking some stuff. And so to make this even more personal, um, you know, one thing I do and have done, you know, sort of in an ad hoc fashion for a number of years now is I work with a coach. Mm-hmm. This guy used to report to Jack Welch, uh, you know, real business leader. But mm-hmm. also when he decided he was going to be a CEO coach, he went and got an MA at NCAD in, in psychology. Mm-hmm. And so um, we do 90 minute sessions again as well. And and I think that, you know, and sometimes we finish a little early, but more often than not, we use the whole thing. And so I, um, I, I share that because you may have clients who, you know, like 60 minutes is not, you know, even what you want to offer them or what they want, you can mm-hmm. make your whole practice with a 90 minute practice thing, you know, and, yeah. uh, Cause you know, cause the extra ahas happen in the back, back yeah. half of that. Yeah. It takes so, clients of different amounts of time to kind of get into the zone, right. Or get into the, the meat of the session. Um, here's a third example to, to throw, <laughs> throw a wrench into this whole thing. I used to see a therapist here in San Francisco whose sessions were completely, uh, open-ended in terms of time. <laughs> So you go in and if the work itself, if the session naturally was going to take 35 minutes, it took 35 minutes and we'd wrap up and I'd be out the door. If it took an hour and a half, it took an hour and a half. Now the way, the only way she could do that, right, is having clients really spaced out. So she's seeing less people, but for the amount of time that fit more naturally to them and what they needed that day. Now she's the only therapist I've ever known in the world who does it that way, right? Because it's really hard to kind of organize your business around it, or you just need to be charging a lot right? Or for your business coach, he's got to be charging a lot um, to do 90 minute sessions, right? Because you look at how many clients can he see in a day? How many is he seeing in a week? What kind of revenue does he have, right? He's, he's got to be able to, to charge, you know, enough for that 90 minute session. Yeah, I think that I think that's, you know, that's right. And you could argue that, you know, that they're that individual is going to charge, you know, you know, 60, like if it's $89 and it's 50% longer, they're going to charge 50% more, but maybe they charge two or 300% more because sure. 90 minute sessions are a better mechanism. So I think, I guess all I'm trying to get at it, maybe if I reframe all this a little bit, I would say, Hey, I think if you like, you know, one of the things about value pricing is, you know, first of all, understand that value is determined in the customer's eyes. So think about that with pricing. Um, another thing is that people are hiring you to solve a problem. So when you think about pricing, you should think about what is the value of solving that problem. Mm-hmm. And I would like to have some percentage of, you know, of that value, mm-hmm. you know, sort of be redirected to my pocketbook because, you know, would you pay, would you pay $10,000 to go cure a phobia if you could do it in a week? Right. You know, you, you probably would. Right. If you could do it an hour, sure. Now it's hard to, uh, you know, to, to, to know whether you're going to get the results or what yeah. have you. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult discipline because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not like math uh, yeah. in terms of 
you know, the, the predictability of when you get something done. But, but I think that the principles around that are interesting. And then I think that, you know, another important concept in, in sort of value pricing is, is this one of sort of expertise and, and this, this you know, distinction. So let's go to distinction would be something like, you know, one of the things you can offer your clients is, you know, for example, different, different time windows. Mm-hmm. And like, some people may know some weeks I can't do 90 minutes, but occasionally I want to and what have you. And a lot of therapists, you know, they often just, I, I used to see a massage therapist and uh, I would always book a longer session, right? But I had to like mm-hmm. call them and like, you couldn't just pre-book that one because that's not the default, right? I'd be like, listen, I don't want to show up unless we're doing 90 minutes because right. like, it's so hard to get in here to do yeah. this. And, you know, I got this kind of thing that, you know, we have both acknowledged that, you know, we're working on. And so anyhow, um, so that's just think about it as one of the ways you can distinguish yourself and and, and be a better service provider yeah. to your client. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the the final thing is one of expertise. And I think this is an important, they're really important thing. So uh, I, I do think if you want to, you know, sort of make making more money one of your goals as a you know a psych, a psychologist or you know practitioner of any kind, really, there, there's there's this notion of needing to specialize. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if, you know, like to not be a generalist. And so, you know, for example, marriage counseling is a form of specialty. Right. And, you know, many of you probably do specialize. um, But, you know, if you don't, you want to go ahead and do that. And then you want to be really specific around that. And you really only want to take clients who are dealing with those kinds of things. And and you will start to have multiplicative lessons and examples and things. You'll just get better at doing that than anybody else. And as you get better, that's generally a nonlinear thing. Like the work you all do is is it's not, you know, it's not like assembly line stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, expertise and knowledge, you know, really happen, matter. And so w- what happens is, you know, the way you treated somebody, you know, 10 years ago when you got started at $89 a month, like you're probably five, six, nine times better at it than you are today. So mm-hmm. why shouldn't your hourly rate have changed just as much uh, would be a question I would I would put forward to you. And uh, and really, the way to get at those multiplicative improvements in your efficacy is again to to specialize, and and then when you specialize, you start to serve more and more people the same thing. So you get the pattern recognition, you get to be able to solve it. But and I think this is also important. But you also start to get referrals, mm-hmm. and the referrals start to come, you know, to you for this thing, and you get really good at solving this. And then over time, you're going to start to get referrals to maybe clients in in. I'm just making this up, but let's say you have mm-hmm. clients who are more affluent or something like this, and then you, you, you they are, you know, you can feel uh, less bad about <laughs> charging them more because you know, you know, the value of saving a marriage for somebody who's, mm-hmm. you know, making, you know, I don't know who has an estate of X, is, is different than an estate of Y, which is, a, you know, a terrible way of thinking about things in some respects and maybe completely at odds with how you feel about what you do and your purpose for doing it. So you have to go and reconcile that, but. If you are going to bring a business lens and say, I want to make more dollars as part of serving people, I, I don't think these things are at odds. I think they're highly complementary. I, I wanted to talk about the expertise piece for sure. And I also want to talk more about the value piece because it's super interesting to me. And a rule of thumb that I learned um, a while back and in my in thinking about pricing one of my online courses the guy told me you should charge about 10% of what it's worth to the client, right? So in this case, for a lot of therapists, a target is six figures, right? Making $100,000 a year, right? Or grossing $100,000 is a big, big goal and a big milestone for a lot of therapists. So if they're coming to me and my program is very uh, uniquely and specifically designed to help them get clients quickly and consistently, 
right? Which is the thing to help them grow the business. And they're going from zero to six figures, right? Then 10% of 100,000 would be 10,000, right? So again, if someone said, hand me $10,000, I'm going to hand you $100,000 over a year. Most people would take that, right? Anyway, <laughs> people so have a hard time with the ten grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that, though. And again, with therapy, it, it, you're right. The value can be more intangible, more abstract, but it is certainly there. Here's another interesting thing that's happening with therapists right now. We went very rapidly from in-person offices to Zoom, right, or to seeing clients online. Some are still yep. doing a hybrid. Yeah. Some are totally online. And some therapists are going, "Well, I don't have rent anymore, so I should charge a little bit less." <laughs> for for yeah, my well. sessions and here's the thing your clients aren't coming and to pay for your office right they're not paying for your office or for your couch or for your whatever right those are expenses of the business they're paying for the value right so some therapists are going well you know it's on zoom so i should charge a bit less the same thing is happening in higher education right now where a lot of um you know parents are paying the tuition for their kids and classes have gone online because they have to, right? And then you have faculty, like one of my mentors who's been doing this for 37 years, and they're going, well, we're, you know, parents want to pay less for tuition because it's online, and so faculty salaries are going to drop, right? It's incredible. It's, again, you're not paying for the classroom itself. That's a byproduct of what you're paying for and the setting you're paying for, but you're really paying for the value, right, of this faculty to come in and teach you 37 years worth of psychology, right, and experience and academia. It's interesting, right? I, I, I think it is interesting. And I, I think it's where people, you know, sort of get, you know, it's funny, actually, I'm reading a book that, you know, in some ways, I'll go ahead and say even, well, I haven't got to the end of it yet. But, it, it, you know, it's suggesting that it may contradict how to go ahead and do this stuff. <laughs> From the point of view I'm espousing today, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, the book is saying like, hey, there's been a long history of determining how we should price things. And the current world we're living in is prices entirely determined by what someone will pay, which I think is a, a reasonable thing. And, and for you know large economic reasons, like getting into no, there's some should be some consideration for how the price is built up, the cost, the time it took you to become educated enough to you know communicate as effectively as you do these these kinds of things. Um, so so I will say like listen, I think it's a really complicated and, and nuanced topic, and there's many you know sort of worthwhile points of view in it. I think at the end of the day you have to make choices, right? And you can absolutely make a choice that you should lower the cost, you know, based on this. But I would suggest to you that that may or may not be um, at all congruent with, you know, what's going on. In fact, you might argue like, and I, I know we're seeing this in our business, and we want to do everything we can to support our employees. But I, I think there's more demand probably for therapy right now 100%. than ever. And yeah. you, sh you should 200%. probably be raising your prices yeah. because because people are more in need and yeah. your schedule might be too full. And, yeah. you know, and by the way, it's probably really, really draining for you right now as well. It's a lot of this, you know, presumably some of the same stuff. And, yeah. and, and like those you should factor all that into what you charge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you, I mean, if you can. And this is, you know, unfortunately, it's a pretty common um, you know, point of view these days. It's just like, what will the market bear? But right. I, I think, again, back to, you know, you can. I don't think you have to personally, you got to get comfortable with this within yourself. Like I don't think there is an explicit choice um, between corrupting your sort of moral compass and charging more for your services. Right. I think you need to sort of get over that. Um, you know, there could be a point it's probably like the boundaries. Like maybe if you're charging, you know, somebody who really, you know, like I think it almost comes down to the way to think about it is in, you know, through the lens of the person who's buying. 
you know, right. like, <laughs> and so maybe one thing you want to do to like make more money is serve people who have, you know, wallets that you feel less bad mm-hmm. about them paying you. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, and that's, frankly, that's what a lot of businesses do, mm-hmm. right? They start out serving small businesses, you know, or consumers and they move into serving large enterprises and what have you. And, and, you know, that process is progressively moving to people who have more capability to, to spend and it's, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's more profitable for that business. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crass when you kind of talk about it like this, yeah. but I, I don't think it, it has to be. And if your goals are economic, I think it's very reasonable for you to have economic goals. Then, you know, just don't, just don't unwittingly hold yourself back. There's actually been some academic studies that, that look at clinical outcomes based on fee, right? And some trends that they've seen are the clients actually, when they pay more, they're more engaged in therapy, they show up on time, they do their homework, right? They take it more seriously and they actually statistically get better outcomes, right? When they pay more. Makes sense, right? If you're paying, you know, for a, a $10 a month gym membership versus $192 membership, right? You're going to take it more seriously, you're going to show up you know, more often you're going to try to get your money's worth, right? You're going to try to get results from that gym. So um, it's, it's interesting, right? And also, if you think about, um, you know, three items on a shelf, right? And they're like, you think you know, they're, they're pretty comparable, but there's one that really stands out and is a lot more expensive, right? Well, what's the first thing that people think? Well, it must be worth more, right? That must be nicer. It must, must be a better product. So it's certainly when clients are looking at three different therapists website, they're having a similar process of evaluating and going, you know what, this is so important to me that I do, I actually want the guy or the, the, the woman who charges more, right. In part because they must be that good. And and not to mention if other people are paying their, this high fee, then, you know, then it's probably worth it, which a lot of times it is. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, I mean, I, wholeheartedly agree with all that and i think just to go on the hey of getting new customers is like a critical thing i think you think about the sources of those customers and you know chances are you know referrals and and like who you get your referrals Mm -hmm. from uh, you know also influences like who your best customers are and chances are you have clients who you'd never want to get a referral from because your value set's not there but you serve them and then you have others who are like I look forward to my session with this person all the time. Correct. I'd love to get referrals from them. And so I, I think, you know, you, you are ultimately a service provider with clients. I, mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with you enjoying your time to the, you know, the greatest degree possible. And part of that will be serving people, but part of it also be who you're serving. And so you want to drive more and more of it to referrals. And there again, like expertise and focus, you know, if you, you know, I don't like, again, I don't know what percent of people have gone and specialized. John, maybe you can tell me that. Is that, yeah. Are people general therapists or mostly specialists? I'd say more than half are, are specialists, right? They have one really yep. core okay. area of focus that's also reflected in their marketing. And it's a lot of business coaches, myself included, generally encourage therapists to niche down, right? Yes, I, I think critically important. So for those who haven't started on that journey yeah. yet, you know, please, please do because because then you just get you get referrals for the kind of customers you want once people know what you stand for. And, uh, you know, where your expertise is and that, that can help you elevate. Yeah. For what it's worth. And one part of it is also knowing the market you're in. Right. So if you're in Manhattan, right. Niching, you you might end up niching down further than small town. So-and-so right. Small town, middle of nowhere, where if you have a really niche practice around like teenage girls with eating disorders and 
the, the town that's population of 5,000, you might have a hard time filling that practice, right? So you might actually be super focused, but your niche actually can be too narrow for your market. So you have to find that kind of perfect fit, you know, for your market. And you have to choose a niche that you actually want to work in, have expertise in, you know, and really can see yourself kind of thriving in. So. And I would say, I'd say never, never, uh, waste a good crisis. Like, let's say you are that, you know, that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, teenage eating disorder, uh, therapist, and you're in a small town or a town that's smaller than you'd like for your market. I think now's the time to be thinking about online, mm -hmm. right? Like, can, can my market become a lot bigger? Cause everyone's 100%. getting comfortable with zoom. And yeah. so, so just maybe experiment with some of that stuff now, just while we're you know, having some of these conversations. hundred percent. That is happening overnight, right? People are going, wow, all of a sudden I can reach primarily the entire state, at least in the U.S. We're licensed by state, which is annoying, but it's a whole another conversation, right? But yeah, or online, or if you're licensed in Canada and you can see someone anywhere in Canada, right? This massively opens up your market. Absolutely. And consumers are way more willing and uh, and actually enjoying the benefits of online therapy and the the convenience of it and research is showing us that it's as effective as in-person therapy statistically so um all things being equal so it's, it's really interesting um so yeah i mean so that we've we've covered a lot of ground here this has been super helpful and i think what a lot of therapists need to hear is if you're waiting for permission to charge more or charge what you've dreamed of charging, here's your permission, right? No, no one's going to stop and give it to you, right? Just like no one gave well, you permission to start your point, business. Well, I think that point, right? Like, yeah, yeah you, you have to decide. It, it's on you. It's, you know, and again, back to like, what would you tell a client in this situation, right? Like, mm -hmm. put yourself off the hook. Go, right? It's within you. Yeah. And the, another reason, the other thing is why, right? So again, I mentioned that six-figure goal for most therapists. You sit down and you ask them, and I talk to, uh, you know, I get on, free calls with 10 or 15 therapists a week sometimes when they're applying to our programs. And I ask them about their revenue goal and their income goal. And a lot of times when they save six figures, I'll ask, okay, what, where'd you get that number? Why is that number important? And most of the time they can't answer it. Right. So it's like, how is that amount of money going to meaningfully change your life? Well, I don't know. It's just what I heard is possible. It's just what I heard the therapist, you know, the best therapist in town is making. Right. So I think you got to go a step further with that. Right. And even looking at if my, if if my net profit is X or 100 k or whatever, um, how is that going to change my life, right? Because a lot of people will work so hard for the next five years to get to that goal, and then they get there, and they realize it's either maybe it's not enough or it is enough, but it's not really making them happier or changing things, right? It's not um, they're not buying back more time. They're working more than ever. They're seeing 35 clients a week, right, just to hit that number. So you have to know what's behind that number. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right, and that's when you realize, you know, yeah, you, you, you know, it's funny. It's gonna take you back to a, a business therapist in this case, and like, because you're gonna go in search of your purpose. Like, what do I really care about exactly. here, right? And is it, you know, making money, and what are the trade offs I'm prepared to make? And yeah. you know, we have life events where we reconsider a bunch of these things. But uh, it's uh, yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. So to to bring this home, FreshBooks is actually a tool that I've used and I'm a fan of, um, and I came that was coming from QuickBooks, which confused the heck out of me for a long time. And even like having four different logins for four different products, it got really confusing. And it's, again, it added to my own kind of numbers phobia. Um, so I like that you guys make it clean, make it simple, keep it cloud-based and have, um, have great support. So for, for therapists that either, you know, maybe they don't have a bookkeeping software yet. Maybe they're still 
piece it together on a spreadsheet or whatever. Um, what should they be looking to get out of a, a you know a good accounting software and and how can they get started with you guys? Well, uh, thank you for asking, John. It's, um, um, so let's go here. I, 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 let's just define your your problem. Um, you, you probably really have two. One, one is a billing problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one is a reporting problem. Like, sure, you're going to have some expenses, but you know, most therapists are going to have you know a really short list of expenses, um, yeah. and be able to handle like spend very little time each month kind of getting those organized. Uh, so it's really around the receivables and charging your clients and having good records for them and for you. And you know, you think about a scenario where at the end of the year it's like, oh, I need to submit for insurance or something like this. So, you know, I don't know all the mm-hmm. state you know jurisdictions or what have you, but like, can you provide me with you know, like when I've done physiotherapy, it's, I always say, no, I don't even want my bill now. I'll, at the end of the year, I'll come because I'm going to submit it for, for taxes mm-hmm. or whatever. And, um, and you know, that's a real nuisance. And so I, I think you want to figure, how do I solve the billing problem, which is, you know, one part record keeping, one part payment collection, mm-hmm. and one part um, uh, reporting yeah. when necessary for both my clients and, and yourself. And so, so again, back to being, you know, built for businesses who invoice and are service-based in nature. This is, you know, I would, I would, I would say, hey, um, you know, check out something, something like a FreshBooks. It's going to cover mm-hmm. all that stuff off. You know, Word and Excel is not going to help you with your reporting at the end of the year. It is not going to help you quickly pull together. Sorry about that, guys. Something happened at the end where we lost Mike, but he was just wrapping up and calling you to action to try FreshBooks at FreshBooks.com. This is not a sponsored episode of just uh, Mike was a great guest to have on and they have a great product at FreshBooks. So um, anyway, sorry about that but things happen. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you've been wanting to work with me and you're ready to grow your practice, now's the time to jump in and join our programs while they are open during the month of October only. If you want to get new clients consistently, then joining our fully booked program is exactly what you want to do next. If you're getting new clients consistently and you're ready to grow and scale your practice with a group of like-minded individuals, whether that be through group practice ownership or online courses, membership sites, things like that, then joining Business Made Human is exactly what you want to do next. Uh, Links to both of those programs in the description. Like I said, uh, get in touch now, follow those links to learn more about our programs and to get started now. All right. Hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Same time, same place. Take care of yourselves. Keep doing great work out there in the world and I'll see you real soon. Cheers. Bye.